Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's never good when you uh, decide you're going to lift the mic up and break the mic stand and have to put it back in place. I mean, that was a regular thing for Freddie Mercury and Queen back in the day. What a talent he was. Uh, nobody would ever mistake that, uh, make that mistake with yours truly. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 1234 at Edmonton. Guests on the show receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris is open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 till 10 p.m. Uh, tell them Oilers now sent you. As we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline for the horses. Horse race. Alberta presenting live thoroughbred racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. Parking and admission are free. For more information, head to thehorses.com. We welcome back to the show. He joins us every Tuesday and Friday. Sportsnet spec, Mark Spector. Hello, Mark. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Bobby, just see the news where Evan Bouchard is going to switch his number to number two. The old, uh, of course, it was Duncan Keith, but I think most order fans would uh, link that number to Lee Fogel and Bobby. No. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Wasn't Boris Mironov number two? He was. I, I missed this, so, wow. Yeah, yeah. the Oilers announced it on Twitter four hours ago, Bobby. Where you been, pal? Uh, reading the Globe and Mail, Mark. I know. Yes, so have I been. <laughs> wow. Uh, how did I possibly miss that? That's, that, that's, that's really poor form. Well, you know what happens when you wear number two? You wear Lee Fogelin's number, like the... The, the greatest single act of, of toughness wow. in Oilers history was not Dave Semenko beating on somebody. It was not Kevin McClellan. It was uh, Lee Fogelin in a hotel room on the road taking out a troublesome filling with a curtain hook so that he could play that night. That, to me, is the greatest single act of pain threshold <laughs> in Oilers history. You're going to wear two, pal. You better be tough on this team. Mark, I had a tooth pulled out tree planting with a pair of pliers. Ooh, that's nice. Yep. Yay. And then I, I got infected. Rusty, Bob. I hope they're rusty. Well, I got infected, but I ain't tough. Let me tell you. What about what about the time Jason Smith got opened up and they stitched him right at the bench? 
Yeah, that's all right. And well, Robin Brownlee had the infamous line, Jason Smith has the pain threshold of a cadaver. Cadaver, that's right. There was, there was uh, remember they scooped up uh, Ryan Smith's teeth in the playoffs there. He came back and <laughs> came out of the tunnel and everybody cheered him. That was awesome. Yeah, even, even <laughs> hey, even uh, Milan Lucic running uh, Mike Smith this year in the playoffs. And then yep. he went in and had to go see the concussion protocol people and came back out, and the fans were all stoked and jacked and pumped up. All right. Uh, well, a couple different themes today. We do have coming up, and we're going to keep you with the interview uh, with Eric Francis at 105 Spec because it's a, a real interesting storyline, what's going down. I, and I just, I just want you to think about something for a second, Mark, because it's the sort of thing I like to do. 9-6 the Flames for the second time that season, game one, second time Calgary put nine goals up against the Edmonton Oilers, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, they won 9-5 in Calgary late in the regular season yep. in a game in which the Oilers rallied back in that game and ended up... Uh, yeah, it was like 6-5 with 12 minutes to go, but whatever. And, and it was Kane, got, Kane got robbed by Mark Sturm. And, 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 you know, so they, they, they won 9-5. Then they won 9-6. You were in Calgary. I was in Calgary. There was a lot of confidence around that team at that time. Even when it was 3-1 early in the second period in Game 2 in the Saddledome. There was a lot of con- And I'll be honest. I was like, oh, this might be a bad matchup for the Oilers. And then Edmonton turned it on. And Calgary played the Oilers game. And the Oilers roared back and won four straight games to win the series. Yeah. It was game two that that really, it could have gone either way. I mean, listen, both teams walked away from game one and said, man, we can't, this isn't how we want to play hockey. Like, the Flames love giving, scoring nine goals. They don't love giving up, would they give up six? Uh, It was fire wagon hockey, tons of fun. Everyone loves watching it, but you know, after game one, neither team looked themselves in the mirror and said, okay, we got to keep playing the same way. So to me, it was game two. Who get who would write their ship? And frankly, when the Flames pumped three goals past Edmonton and it was three one, I thought, well, maybe maybe Edmonton can't hold them below five here. Maybe Edmonton can't figure out how to stop this Flames attack. And to me, turning that game two around and leaving there with a split. It was Edmonton that found their game, and it was Edmonton that, that you know, reeled that series in and was took it to home ice and played it the way they wanted to play. And by the end of the thing, Calgary was chasing. Edmonton was the better team. They'd found their game. They had a better, stronger game. Mike Smith was better than Markstrom, and history is history. Right? And the Oilers were more than one, just one player. I mean, Zach Hyman scored in every game in the series. Uh, you know, Vander King got a hat trick in, in game number three. Matthew Kachuk was relatively quiet as the series after game number one went on. Uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins scored a critical goal in game four. Dreisaitl put up more points in that series per game than any other players had in NHL history. 3.4 points per game, 17 points in five games, and McDavid finished it off. Mark, here's where I'm going with this. Think about how we felt after the first period of game two in that series. And no one saw the Oilers coming back and winning four straight. And here we are now. Last week, Johnny Goodrow took he took Brad Treleving right down the path, negotiated. You know, the Flames got to ten and a half million on eight years for Goodrow. Elected to sign in Columbus. I'm sorry, Columbus. Like, you know, didn't go to New Jersey. Philadelphia couldn't make it work. weren't dynamic enough to offload money. New Jersey didn't happen in New Jersey, so he elects to go to Columbus. That's right, Columbus. 
And then yesterday, the Flames announced that they're taking Kachuk to arbitration. Are we... We've had people text the show here saying the Oilers just didn't beat the Flames. It's coincided with them potentially taking away their soul. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, I would say this to you. What I watched and learned in that series, it, it kind of reminded me of the old days. Uh, Calgary looked at that series and said, our best guys aren't close to Edmonton's best guys. And, you know, you'll remember the 80s when it became pretty clear to Calgary pretty fast that their best guys weren't as good as Edmonton's best guys. And they uh, they needed to construct – they weren't going anywhere unless they figured out how to beat Gretzky and Curry and Messi and Coffey and Anderson. I get it. There's more guys back then. But what I saw in that series and what I think the Calgary Flames took in the summer was, holy cow, we got crushed. I, th- I think in the last four games – uh, I'm trying to remember the stat, Bob. I believe that, that McDavid and Drysaddle had 28 points in the last four games, and I believe that Goodrell and Kachuk had uh, four points in the last four games between them. So 28 to four. I think it was 22 to four. 22 to four? Okay. Yeah, because McDavid had four points in game one and Leon had three. That's seven, and they right. combined I'm for 29. A couple months on this yep, stat. Yep, but. Yep. but my point is this. Calgary went into their summer saying, okay, it's bad enough we lost to the Oilers. It's bad enough they beat us four straight. They took that series away from us. They walked away with the series. Fine. But the problem here is it's not going away, right? The guys that won that series for them primarily was Dreisaitl on one leg and McDavid and the rest of that team. We, our best guys can't beat their best guys. We're in trouble on that front. And now one of their best guys is gone. The other best guy's got one foot out the door. So for sure, there's some consternation in Calgary. If, it, if the shoe is on the other foot, Bob, your phone lines will be burning up for concerned order fans. I'll tell you that right now. Well, uh, and I, I circle back. I mean, let's not forget how unbelievable Calgary's top line was in the regular season. But Daryl Sutter kept those three guys together 87% of the time. Goodrow played with... Uh, Kachuk and Lindholm, 5e5. And that line shot the lights out. They shot at 13.17% when uh, Johnny Goodrow was on the ice, 5-on-5. That is abnormally high. Like a good season would be 11%. You know what? A bad season would be 8.3% 5-on-5. Guess guess which team shot 8.3% when one of the league superstars was on the ice, 5e5 this year, Mark? Connor McDavid. That's how good he was this year. He had 123 points, and the Oilers only shot at 8.3% 5e5. Goodrow was within eight points of him, and he was on a team that shot at 13.17% 5-on-5. So there were a lot of people in Cal. Oh, well, we got the best line. Look what they did in the regular season. And lo and behold, you know, maybe people that understood stats a little realize that there'd be a little bit of a bounce back on that shooting percentage. Anyhow, well, okay, but, they, 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 but let's say this during last season, they were, they were certainly the most productive line. And you could certainly make the argument. It was the best line in the season. They had three forty goal scorers. Did anybody else have that? I don't think they did. So I get it. There's, they there's going to be a bounce back from that. You know, remember a few years ago, Bob, when the flames won the West, and lost in the first round of Colorado. And you looked at the Flames' personal production, and out of 
18 skaters. They had like 11 guys with career years. We knew there'd be a bounce back then too, and there was. There was. They weren't. They weren't winning the West next year. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they made the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Mark. I'm gonna just. It, this just shows you the perspectives. So again, who did I say use the term? I said a texter suggested, did the Oilers steal the Flames' soul in that series? But here we go. I just want to read. I'm going to blast off three or four texts here in the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Here we go. Um, uh, Mark says, Bob, it's a real stretch to say the situation in Calgary is because of a loss uh, to Edmonton. Back to reality, please. That one comes to us from Mark. Again, Mark, I'm referencing a texter who said, you know, did the Oilers steal the Flames' soul? This one comes in from David, and it's not David Staples. I just want to clarify that. Uh, Where is it? Oh, come on. It's about COVID. The individual... (laughs) Here it is. David says... Bob, I suspect that the American Johnny Hockey did not care much for Canadian COVID policies. If one wants to get out of Canada with a boatload of money to boot, Columbus is a better option than Canada. Uh, do you think it was COVID, Mark? I don't think it was COVID. No, family's a di- It's not like he was an anti-vaxxer. He was double-vaxxed. He traveled freely back and forth. That's just... Right. There's no basis to that, Bob. Uh, Kamek says, I'm still shook over the Johnny Hockey move. Oilers traumatized the Flames. Imagine if Connor did to Edmonton what Johnny did to Calgary at the end of the term. He had no intention on resigning in Calgary. He had said nothing and moved to a team that is nowhere near a cup contender. It goes to show you that I don't think Johnny Hockey has a cup as his number one priority. Thanks, Bob. That one comes to us. Uh, go Oilers from Kamek. I mean... We know how engaged, Mark, and I, and I, I don't know if you heard the opening of the show. I referenced the, the Boston guys. Like, I've, I've heard that Patrice Bergeron was actively assisting Boston in terms of re- recruitment and procurement of players, and now it hmm. sounds like Krejci's coming back. That's a sure tale sign that, that you know, we're, there's going to be another year contract for Patrice Bergeron coming in Boston. You know how involved Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle have been involved in recruiting Oilers players. You know that, that, oh, they've, sure. that they've stepped up. Are we watching something different take place in Calgary, Spec? Well, listen, it's, it's uh, you know, I want fans to know here that, that this isn't classic Edmonton ripping Calgary stuff. You know, we, we make this clear all the time, Bob. I'm a, it's be- I think it's better for hockey when the Flames are really, really good. And I'm not looking to rip them up because they wear a red sweater and they're from the South and all that stuff. But... It's very disconcerting, no matter what your team is, when one of your leaders, one of your very best players, looks at the roster, looks at the situation, and says, eh, I don't want to be part of this anymore. You know, it's just very disconcerting. And here's the deal, Bob. It's not like the old days in Edmonton when Paul Coffey left because Peter Pockley wouldn't pay him market rate, right? And he said, well, forget it. I'm going somewhere and getting paid. Johnny Goodrow didn't go somewhere to get paid, right? Johnny Goodrow didn't go to a team that had a better chance of winning a cup than Calgary. Johnny Goodrow didn't go to a place to live right next to his family or anything like that. I get it. He's closer, but he, he didn't go home. He went a couple states over from home. So people, I was just at a, uh, the hockey ca- Alberta Hall of Fame gala in Canmore, and there's a lot of Calgary Flames and Calgary people there. We were talking Flames, and they're just trying to figure out what does Goodrow know about our team that we don't know? What is it that took Goodrow to the decision to split? We thought we had a good team here. We thought we had a chance to win a Stanley Cup. We thought we were building a pretty good product here, 
and your best guy looks at it and goes, yeah, see you later. That's disconcerting. It disturbs you as a fan of that team. Management's shaking their toques. And the last thing I'll say is everybody, Bob, makes the uh, takes it to the next step and says, well, maybe it's because Matt Kachuk said he's leaving too. So it's just unsettled the market there, and it's unsettled the fan base, and I absolutely understand Yeah, I, I have nothing but empathy for the position that the Flames organization's in. I think they've been pretty well run. Like, I, this is this is a tough one to watch, uh, and people are making – like, we have people texting the show saying, please, Bob, uh, you know, please don't dare compare Johnny Goodrow to, you know, to Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid's generational. Johnny Goodrow is a star. Connor McDavid's a superstar. We all get that. Yeah, they right? might both be their team's best player. But That's they, the comparison. Right there, you go. Again, you can fan, te- fan favorite. I might add. So Rich, Richards, uh, Richard says to to Mark or Bob, I firmly believe that thirteen and nineteen are looking up north on Highway Two and thinking, if we meet that team every year in the playoffs in the next three or four years, we don't stand a chance. Paul Maurice saw the tire fire in Winnipeg and abandoned the ship. Thanks for your time. That one comes to us from uh, Richard. And Mike says, my two bits on Johnny Goodrow's story is being coached by Daryl Sutter. Uh, he is not a player favorite. That one comes to us from Stan. Again, you can text us. Wait a second. Where did... <laughs> he just got Johnny Goodrow to play the best season of his life, right? Johnny Goodrow's never had a season like he had. Not just scoring points, Bob but playing defensively and, and keeping the puck out of his net and being a good team player. Oh my goodness. Daryl Sutter made 50% more player out of Johnny Goodrell in the last year or two. So that makes absolutely no sense to me. All right. Well, it's not going to be the same without Johnny Goodrell. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how different the battle of Alberta will be, Mark, if there's no Matthew Kuchuk as well, and what's going to happen. And, uh, whether or not the Flames have no choice but to go uh, on the on the aggressive, uh, it, it, you know, in terms of can't go down the same path twice. It's twelve fifty at Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers now. Twelve fifty two at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers now. All season long, the Oilers now injury reports brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Uh, James H. Brown. It's as simple. They are the best. All right. We re-engage Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. So, Mark, as a result of what's happened with Goodrow, and um, this text comes to us from Kai, who says, Bob, Goodrow was on Spit and Chicklets yesterday. Sounds like he honestly just wanted to try something new. No strings attached. He never told teammates or management that he was leaving until he did. He said himself he didn't know what he wanted to do until free agency opened. Um, once bitten, twice shy, Spec. You know what I'm saying? Does this now put the Calgary Flames in a position where they can't walk down the path the same way with Matthew Kachuk? What do you think? Yeah, no question, right? No question. You, I, I absolutely would defend um, Brad Tree Living, the GM of the Calgary Flames. Let, let's look at this thing. Let's say Goodrow told him in January, I'm not coming back. Were you going to trade? You know, your leading scorer heading into the playoffs, your first-place team in the division, you you know, they thought they were going on a Stanley Cup run. They weren't going to trade Goodrow anyway. All they could have done is maybe trade him before the deadline and get a third-round pick or something like that. So I get that. Goodrow, to me, didn't cost the Flames a whole bunch. This is different, Bobby. You can't lose your next best player or whatever he is. Um, 
in subsequent seasons for nothing. If Matt Kachuk, you know, you got to be proactive with this player here. You got to say to Matt Kachuk, what's happening? You re-signing? Here's our offer. You got a little bit of time to figure this out, or we are going to move you. They're going to move you. They will move him during the season, in my opinion. They will not let Matt Kachuk follow Goodrell out the door and get absolutely nothing back. That's just poor asset management. Mark, uh, there is one way that Brad Trey Living and the Calgary Flames can alter the course and direction of things immediately. It's a long shot because this player has already turned down a potential trade request to Calgary before, but he has not gotten in the market, I think, what he thought he was going to get. Now, that said, it appears that he's waiting for something. I don't know if he's waiting for the team that he was playing with, the, the Colorado Avalanche, to get rid of some cap space or converse or add some cap space or conversely waiting for the same thing with Lou Lamarillo. We'd never know with the New York Islanders. But something is up with Nazem Kadri. And I'm here to yeah. tell you, with all due respect to Johnny Goodrow, if the Calgary Flames were able to sign Nazem Kadri and keep Matthew Kachuk, you can make a strong argument they would actually be better. They would be better. The Kadri is more. I know Goodrow's got a higher offensive ceiling, but Kadri's yeah. probably the better playoff performer. Agree or disagree? He's a, way, he's a way. I would call him a gamer. Well, let's circle back, Bob. If if we're all in agreement, all our listeners out there, that the Calgary Flames need to not just build a good team, but they need to build a team that can get through Edmonton now. And I'm I'm not here to tell you that Edmonton's way better and, and the Flames aren't as good. That's not what I'm saying. They got to beat Edmonton. That's all. Whether it's in seven or in four, they're going nowhere without handling McDavid and handling uh, Drysaddle among the rest of the Oilers. What do we know about Kadri Bob? He's got a tough history against McDavid. He plays them hard. Yep. He gets under his skin. He's limited McDavid's uh, production to an extent. He's a. If I'm Calgary, I love Kadri. Because I know when the chips are down, oh. I'm putting them out against 97, and he's good at it. They, they would have Lindholm, who's a great two-way center, Kadri, yes. who's a great two-way center with real bite, and Backlund, who is a beast against the Oilers. He yeah. plays Edmonton hard, and he plays Edmonton. There's, you know, He knows who he's got. He plays Edmonton even tougher when he's got guys like Lucic on his team. So well, who doesn't? <laughs> I, I I will tell you this right now, Mark. I would pr- I would prefer Kadri as a you know if if you're an Oilers fan, even though Colorado's the defending champs, like the best place for Nazem Kadri is with the New York Islanders for me. <laughs> that's the best. Let's just put it that way. Right. And oh, listen, Kadri's less money than Goodrell, better player than Goodrell. Final answer, pal. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting stuff. Uh, we do have some people that are texting the show saying, "Wait a sec here, uh, Bob and Mark. The Oilers have been here uh, before with Chris Pronger, but that's it. the Pronger situation was different, Mark, and you know this because Pronger wasn't being walked to free agency. He had just signed a five-year deal, and the Oilers' assets they got back for Chris Pronger. Hey, Anaheim got the best player, and they won a cup." The Oilers ultimately got Schmied. They got Lupul. Didn't work here with Lupul. Whatever. Kept on trading down and down. But they did get Jordan Everly with one of those first-round picks. And they used another one of the first-round picks to get Dustin Penner. And Dustin Penner scored 90 goals in Edmonton over four years and then got traded for Colton Tubert in the first-round pick that turned out to be Oscar Clefbaum. So 
it, it's a different situation because there was significant term left in, in the deal. And and you look at the proactiveness, Mark. You were covering the team when Kevin Lowe had to trade both Bill Guerin and um, Doug Waite. Yeah. And that's probably the path. Would you not agree? Well, it's it's. Listen, here's what we know about hockey trades. The team trading the best player loses the trade 90% of the time. Right, Bobby? Come on. You know, the team trading the best player very sel- very seldom recoups. Sometimes very seldom recoups uh, commensurate to what they're giving up. So uh, the other thing I'd say to you is Pronger, I mean, uh, Kachuk's, let's talk Kachuk because Goodrow's gone. Kachuk's difficult because it's either it's a trade and sign you know, if you can trade me Kachuk and I can get his name on a six or seven year deal, that's one thing. But if you're trading him to me and I'm not sure that I can, now you're trading me a one year asset. Like, if you're trading Kachuk to the St. Louis Blues, that's one thing. If you're trading him to 30 other teams, it's quite another, Bob. I'm not going to sell the farm for one year of Matt Kachuk and he's walking into unrestricted free agency. The, the return on that. Calgary Flames fans are going to look at and go, that's all we got for Matt Kachuk. So it's a problem. It's a tough trade for Bradford Living. We'll talk about the Battle of Alberta and a Flames perspective from a guy that knows that team quite well. Eric Francis coming up at 105. Off to a Global News Weather Traffic Update uh, with Evan Cook. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.